Welcome back to the Grace and Knowledge Podcast. This is episode 9, the third installment of our series on the five solas of the Protestant Reformation. Um, so far, we've covered sola scriptura, scripture alone, sola gratia, grace alone, and now we're on the sola fide, which is faith alone. As always, let's start with scripture as our sole objective foundation for truth and see what God's word has to say about this doctrine of sola fide. Galatians 2.16 says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So also we have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. Ephesians 2, 8-9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. Romans 2, or I'm sorry, Romans 4, 2-5 says, For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So we can see here that there is a distinct connection between this doctrine of sola fide and the doctrine of what we would call justification. Theologian R.C. Sproul makes the case in his book, What is Reformed Theology?, that the issue of justification was really the core controversy that sparked the Protestant Reformation in the first place. The question of justification is this, how can man be justified in the sight of God? As we touched on in episode 5, men are fallen. As we talked about in episode 8, we have all inherited the sin nature of our father Adam. And like Adam, we have all willingly sinned against God and broken his law. We, by nature, are unrighteous. And 1 Corinthians 6, 9 tells us that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. So what is our hope? That we perform enough acts of righteousness to outdo the unrighteousness? Well, according to scripture, no. Um, what if we fulfill enough of God's law to cover up that which we've broken? According to scripture, no. Our hope to be justified in the sight of God is to receive someone else's righteousness. Our hope is for someone else to keep the law on our behalf. Our hope is for someone else to pay for the sins that we have committed. And this is what Christ did through his life, his death, and his resurrection. And it's by these things that we can be justified in the sight of God. You see, typically, when we think of what Jesus did for us. We think of his death on the cross. 
And while his death on the cross was of the utmost importance, and we should certainly think about that, um, he did much more than just die for us. He lived for us as well. If Christ could have accomplished salvation for his people merely by dying, he could have simply descended from heaven, died on the cross, and then went back. However, while dying on the cross did solve the issue of our debt of sin, it did not solve the issue of our unrighteousness. So what Christ did was he lived a perfect and sinless life. He kept the entirety of God's law. He did not bend, he did not break, and he did not fail to keep any portion of the law. Our Lord Jesus was completely and utterly righteous. And through that law-keeping, through that righteousness, Jesus gives his righteousness to us. This is the process of justification. And it's what Paul is referring to in 2 Corinthians 5.21 when he says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ took on our sin. We take on Christ's righteousness. I'm going to say that again. Christ took on our sin, and we take on Christ's righteousness. That's the beauty of justification, and it's our hope, our only hope to be justified in the sight of God, our only hope for salvation, our only hope to inherit the kingdom of God. Now that we've talked about justification, where, uh, where does sola fide come in? How do we obtain that justification? Well, as the name implies, we receive or we obtain that justification of Christ through faith alone. Now, in fairness, this is not a doctrine that's entirely unique as far as the idea of faith. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church would have believed that faith is necessary to receive justification. They would agree that the life and death and resurrection of Jesus were necessary for us to be justified. However, they would argue that works are also necessary on our part to complete that process of justification. They would argue that baptism is necessary to complete that justification. They would argue that justification can actually be lost through the committing of certain sins, even if faith is still present. And then it would be dependent upon works of penance for that justification to be restored. Um, the Catholic Church believed in justification by faith, yes, but not by faith alone not sola fide. It was not faith alone. It was faith plus. And this is where the Catholic Church, along with every other non-Christian religion and cult, will always get it wrong. It's never by faith alone. It's always faith plus something. Um, a scripture that will often be used in defense of faith plus theology is James 2.24, which says, Quote, a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Unquote. 
Now, on the surface, um, <laughs> that seems like a major problem for the doctrine of sola fide or faith alone. However, what's important to remember, go back to episode two, is context. What is the context of James chapter two when he says that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone? In that chapter, James is talking about a fake and dead faith that results in nothing more but mere head knowledge. James makes the point that faith, if it does not result in works, is dead. It's non-existent. He is talking about a dead, fake, non-saving, non-authentic faith. And he's arguing that true faith, authentic, saving faith, does result in works, which we see throughout Scripture. And we read about clearly in Ephesians 2.10. Salvation is by faith alone, yes, but saving faith is never alone. It always results in good works. And it will always produce the fruit of the Spirit talked about in Galatians chapter 5. Salvation is by faith alone, but saving faith is never alone. Another important thing to remember when we consider James 2.24, saying that justification comes by works and not by faith alone, is a different phrase from the Reformation, which was tota scriptura, T-O-T-A scriptura, which means the whole of scripture or every part of scripture. So um, earlier we covered Sola Scriptura, which means Scripture alone. Tota Scriptura means the whole of Scripture or every part of Scripture. So we have to consider all of Scripture when making a decision about any truth or doctrine. So if someone would like to use James 2.24 to suggest that justification is truly by works and not by faith, the burden is then on that person to explain Galatians 2.16, Romans 4.2-5, and every other scripture which says the exact opposite. Um, this is an essential rule for interpreting scripture. Chapter 1, Article 9 of the 1647 Westminster Confession of Faith says the following, The infallible rule of interpretation of scripture is the scripture itself. And therefore, when there's a question about the true and full sense of any scripture, it must be searched and known by other places that speak more clearly. In other words, if one passage like James 2.24 muddies the waters of a particular doctrine like sola fide, we need to test that scripture against other clearer passages of scripture. And I would argue that there are plenty clearer passages of scripture arguing for sola fide. Sola fide is the clear truth of God's word, and it is foundational to the true biblical Christian faith. So the question is, what is faith then? Well, I believe it's clear in Paul's writings that faith is not a work. It's not something that good people have and bad people don't. I think it's clear from the book of James that faith is not a mere mental acknowledgement or belief. It is not something that smart people have and not smart people don't have. Faith is a gift 
and it's a gift of God. Now, why does God choose to give us this gift of faith? I mean, read, read Romans 9. He's God. He's merciful. He's under no obligation to save anyone, yet he does. He's under no obligation to save anyone, yet he does. That's who he is. Our faith is not an admission ticket that God is required to accept. But like the French reformer John Calvin said, faith is like an empty open hands stretched out towards God with nothing to offer and everything to receive. That very truth should provoke us to lives of worship towards God. It should change how we view everything. And that's why this doctrine of faith alone, solo fide, is so important. Martin Luther said about solo fide, this doctrine is the head and cornerstone it alone begets, nourishes, builds, preserves, and defends the church of God. And without it, the church of God cannot exist for one hour. I would agree wholeheartedly with Luther there. And I would add that the reason this doctrine is so foundational, I believe, is because it reminds us that we cannot justify ourselves in order to be righteous before God on the day of judgment, we need the righteousness of Christ. In short, the doctrine of faith alone points us to the doctrine of Christ alone. Christ alone, our only mediator, our only hope, the only way, truth, and life. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to Him be the glory for his free gift of righteousness that comes by God's sovereign and merciful gift of faith. For more on all of this, please be sure to check out the link in the show description. And as always, thank you for listening.